0: hello and welcome to episode four of the of season two of the Talking Road podcast. Uh, I am here uh, as always with my co-host Peter Bourne and we will get on to uh, a couple of games that Torino have played since we we last spoke but firstly I um, just want to admit that after seeing Bloody, uh get beaten oh. 4-0 uh, on sort of his Second appearance for Roma. I'm finally over him. He will no longer get a mention on this podcast. You might be over him, mate, but do you know who isn't?
1: Who? B- BT sport commentator Paul Dempsey. <laughs> he's, he's, are you two related? All he talks about is Balotti.
0: Well, nice. as I did, I did see somebody say that he got a little bit excited when they realised there was a gallo on the pitch, but unfortunately, <laughs> the the, uh, the Lecce left back yesterday. Um, I, I may get on to him later because he has the finest head of hair in Surrey, I think. Um. But uh, let's let's go on to Atalanta first. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll leave you for your uh, Paul Dempsey chat for uh, for for the lecture game possibly. Um, but Atalanta first defeat of the season. Um, I I thought it was a bit of a sloppy game in terms of just really avoidable errors, especially the the penalty that was conceded on the stroke half time. Um, we'll get into the transfer window a little bit later, but it's probably a reason why. You, the, the transfer window should should definitely close before uh, the matches start and also definitely maybe not have the transfer window on a day that teams are going to be playing fixtures um, because know there was a little bit of speculation that he could be moving to West Ham. Uh, he made the mistake on the stroke half-time and then didn't re-emerge for the second half. I, I think some of some of us were possibly expecting that he was maybe getting a, a flight to London in that, in that second half. But um, thoughts on the game? Well, I was, you mentioned the transfer
1: window. It was probably peak Torino that the main gripe uh, last Thursday was we hadn't brought in a another central midfield player, uh, an area where we are very short. And then in the um, pre-match warm-up, Samuele Ricci uh, rules himself out for a month with an injury. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, the window closed. What was it? 45 minutes before kickoff, probably as he as he pulled that muscle. I think that, yeah, as said, it set the tone for the day. There was a lot of a lot of uncertainty from an Atalanta side as well going into that match. You know, there was a cu- couple of players in and out. I think Gasparini said himself that three of his players were spent most of the day on the phone. I'm not sure they were necessarily players who ended up being involved in the game. Uh, yeah, I think you're right to call it a sloppy game. I think Atalanta were way off the kind of rhythm and pace they normally play at. I think they were there for the taking. Torino... Just at the moment, I think part of it is may come onto it in the Lecce game as well. It's just the lack of um, playing time together in certain certain positions. You, you kind of look last season. We we built an attack, um, uh, which well, uh, we had a lot of injury problems last season as well. But it's yeah, we've we've kind of rebuilt the attack this season. It's, they they do play a little bit like strangers at times, and I felt with a bit more cohesion, we could have taken, taken advantage of our kind of supremacy in that first half. And then, as you said, Aina makes, you know, seconds to go. It's, it's just a bit of lazy defending, really, isn't it? And uh, in, the, the soppy kind of had, had a real kind of... Uh, Eduardo, I can't even say his name, I dislike him so much, but uh Cuadrado vibe about him. Um, all game is just, you know, he just he looked like he was... Gonna win a penalty for them at some point, and yeah, that set the tone. And we came out in the second half and conceded a pretty bad goal and it just knocked the stuffing out of us. And they grew in confidence. And I uh, said, so then, then as we built our way back into the game, we conceded a
0: second stupid penalty. So I had, I had a bit more sympathy for Lazzari with his penalty. I mean, it's still it's still a bit careless, but I think that's probably more of a sort of he made the initial mistake and then he tried to sort of rectify it, it which is probably a bit more of a. Um, a natural thing for a footballer to do really. I think the game management for Arna to know that literally even if he just saw just defended it sort of properly and it went out for a corner I don't think they would have had time to take the corner so um but like poor poor decision making from sort of, from sort of two of our our wing backs but I think up until that to be honest actually I thought the first 40 minutes we were the better side and if we'd have kept it to nil nil I could've I could have saw us maybe sneaking at least a well, I think we'd have got a result, maybe not a victory. But um I think it was a a game to learn from and they, they as the BT Sport commentism which we'll get on to, we're keen to reiterate that we'd only beaten um newly promoted sides but seemed to not take into account the fact that they were the same stride, sides that we struggled against so much last season, which I think is a little yeah. bit of context which um professionals being paid for their expertise probably should uh do a little bit of research on but uh let's move on to Lecce.
1: Lecce well yeah maybe maybe just before Lecce because it was topical could bring in the, the, the kind of transfer window uh it was yeah last Thursday was quite a distracting day wasn't it with um w- with things potentially happening but in the end uh we kind of while well, we set up the, the kind of with our pod last week with 24 hours to go, we said Torino rarely do business on the last day. Uh prior we thought was coming in, but it became it became apparent when we woke up last Thursday morning that in fact he hadn't got his flight over. Um that that whole thing had stalled. Um and then I think we were thinking, well, who's this central midfielder who's gonna be coming in? And it'd, it'd just no names for a long time. Eventually, um we signed Jan Karama, who's a player. Vaniati seems to have had in his back pocket for about four transfer windows. Uh, that wasn't met, met with a, let's say, a kind of joyous reception. It just seemed to be bringing in a player, almost a different type of profile player than, than we needed. Um, and then, well, Vanyati since held a press conference last Friday where we gave a little bit more context for things. Um, a couple, of, well, I guess a couple of things. It was a very busy day in getting rid of the dead wood. So Zaza went, Zaza's gone, Verdi's gone, Itzo's gone, Eder is still there, but I, I'm not sure he's too much of a problem in that he's on a, probably not on a very big contract. Um, so I think Jurich has a squad of players by and large he wants there. And I think in January we probably are in a position uh, with those players off the wage bill to to maybe act. And uh, as I think we've discussed before, we've, that World Cup period may actually bring be a time to kind of bring in some January signings earlier in the window. Um, but yeah, it was, I guess it was frustrating, as we mentioned earlier, with Richie then getting injured not to bring in at midfield. That does seem very careless. I mean, what what were your thoughts?
0: I think uh, probably the, the strangest thing in terms of the Caramo deal will be the fact that in terms of profile in the squad, he probably most... Um, it's similar to, to Sek, who who actually came into the start 11 due to, to Richie's injury actually played really well. Um, so then you've got a player who has probably come in and it, given that all the sort of attacking players were, were fit, so you've got Redonjic, Vlasic, uh, Morancic, Sek and Karamo. Karamo is probably now going to be sort of fifth choice. So it is it is a bit of a strange time. It's another option. It's an option off the bench. And as we'll get on to Lecce, I think sometimes... Especially now that Moranchuk's injured that that area is probably a little bit of a weakness and it's something which probably if if a player is' underperforming with the five substitutes he's always going to have the opportunity to freshen it up um He's a player who I think when he first came to Italy and he went to Inter was um sort of highly thought of and his career sort of been under decline since then I think he was in Turkey last season um I think it's it's probably worth a gamble if on a, on a low cost deal. I'm not quite. I think it's a it's a one year contract with an option for for two more. So if he does well, then then he, he stays. And if he, if he doesn't, then he he won't stay. That's simple as that. Um, I think yeah, the disappointing thing for me is probably that that's so, uh, definitely with the Richie injury. In hindsight, now that makes it even more of a, a sort of faux pas and not of of reinforce that area. Personally, for me, I still feel we're a little bit weak. Um, in terms of a central striker, with uh, Sanabria and and Pellegrini, Pellegrini famously has got pretty poor injury records. Sanabria can turn hot and cold. Um, that would be the area I would have looked to to strengthen. But I think again, somebody made a very good point. Now after lecture, I think there's only ten games now until the the World Cup break. So it's actually we've already played we've already played five. So. Um, it's not actually that long for us to wait, but like I said, th- I feel like we can make do even if we have to play a couple of players out of position or not in their natural roles, if, if sort of it's the, if, if it's necessary. Um, and I'd rather we waited to January than sort of bought a player for a big fee who maybe doesn't quite fit into the system. And, and that would just, I think that's what we've done historically in the past with, with maybe like a Verdi, um, we signed him because he was there, and he was never really fitting into a tactical plan. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if we if we can hold on till um, sort of the, the November break for the World Cup, and we're in and around the sort of European places. Then I think there will be cause for a little bit of investment.
1: I believe I'd be surprised if we see Caramo. For another couple of weeks, which maybe lends itself to do we get close to that World Cup break and uh, yeah, how much football is he going to play between between now and then? And th- then you wonder if we do bring in some extra quality in January, whether he, yeah, how much we'll see of him at all. But could could he be this uh, season's Mohamed Farras? Will he never actually play for the club? He, he could well be. Um But yeah, no. I mean, by all accounts, Juric was was keen on the signing. So. um so let's see, but certainly when Moranchuk gets back, there'll be be competition for places there. I'm glad you mentioned Dembisek actually on the Atalanta game because I did. I thought he did very well in the first half. I think the second half, he faded massively, um, but really kind of t- took the game to them, brought us high up the pitch, gave us a dimension we uh, don't always have. Um, I did read somebody on Twitter say, Sek would be the best footballer in the world if it didn't involve uh, passing or shooting. Uh, but running in straight lines, he was he was very good. And I think if he if he's able to add that bit of composure to his game, um, then he's just he's is very different to to anything else we have. And as an impact player, I think it's, I don't think it's easy for any of those forward players at the moment, just because there's no reference point in the team. Um, there's, I mean, I looked at the first twenty minutes of the, the Lecce game, which we, we can come on to, but before kick off, like Lukic, Lukic was. Uh, kind of had this embrace with Ilkan, like, I'm going to take care of you. And I, I noticed a lot in the first 20 minutes, Rodriguez was telling uh, Skurs where, where to position himself, where to be. And I felt Rodriguez is one of the few who has the experience and has, has been at the club long enough. But I wasn't sure how many leaders I saw, saw out there last night. And I think there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of kind of I think yeah, there's g I think there's going to be a lot of wayward passes and moves which break down until until we find that cohesion. And I think playing a settled side actually would 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 benefit us over the next few weeks, just to um, just to kind of kind of improve on that. Um, but I think the final thing on the transfer window and a, a bit, I think it was the funniest thing was came out of it. Do you want to share the, what Van said on on Brecolo? Uh, So
0: yeah, basically Brecolo came back. Um... Uh, Begging—I uh, don't think—I don't think, he, I don't think used the word <laughs> the word begging, but that's that's what I uh, am sort of taking it to mean, sort of asking him to to sort of resign uh, him. I think he realized that the, the offers from the Champions League weren't coming in. Um, there were links with Sampdoria, which I think, in a way, probably would have been funnier, um, given the fact that they're currently in the bottom three. Um, I think it's probably a good example, actually, of just of players. Even in the sort of the modern era, even with a lone player, maybe getting a little bit too uh, carried away with a, a, a good season, which I think Brecklow had. Um, but yeah, he basically um, asked if there was any opportunity for Torino to resign him. I think actually, since the prior deal wasn't happening, I think it, it wouldn't have been the worst idea. But um, in, we'll, we'll go on to talk about Nikola Vlasic in a little bit. But I think actually. If if Brekalo had returns, that I don't think he would have, have got on the pitch much. I think I think Vlasic has already shown in sort of the early couple of weeks that he's got the same sort of finishing uh, ability uh, as his countrymen, but he also maybe impacts himself in games a little bit more and and is sort of available and, and can sort of get the team high up the pitch. Um, and yeah, I think maybe a little bit of karma would be that uh, Vlasic maybe takes Brekalo's place in the Croatian squad as well. It's so, um, yeah. I mean, should we, should
1: we move on to, to Lecce? Do you know when I realized? I mean, I, I predicted a three nil win last week, which yeah, was I think I think was a bit overexcited, but I it became clear to me just before kickoff that we'd win this match. You know why?
0: Okay,
1: I don't know if you saw in the because the, uh, the the coverage in the UK, I mean, it had like a three or four minutes um, of Torino fans just. Just kind of singing the anthem before while uh while they kind of built into the start of the match but i noticed there was a nun there wearing a wearing a torino kit and i was just like well it's, it's surely it's going to be our night they, um,
0: they, they put him watching you knew what the result was going to be
1: no but i, was, you know, I think was, that was coverage was quite interesting because you don't normally see that obviously it's a kind of world feed and and bt hadn't put much padding on the beginning of the program but it was it was quite atmospheric It was quite nice and i was interested to see the, the diversity, the greater diversity of the Torino fan base, and certainly when I went or well, when, when I used to go a lot more where it was where it was very male dominated um and supporters of a certain age. And, you know, there is there is a kind of feeling that demographic of, of Torino fans is getting older, but actually if you, you kinda of look around the stadium, yes, there are a lot of a lot of young children, um, a lot a lot of women, a lot of people of different ages, which which, which was good to see. It was just, and it was also good to see. It was a it was a, um, quite a big support for Ledger as well, which, which I think helped the atmosphere last night.
0: Yeah, I think I think there was something when we realised that the capacity was going to be sort of around twenty thousand. I, I was a little bit surprised, given that it sort of was like the Monday night, the kick off. But I think you made a good point um, to say that it's sort of the end of the summer holiday period and people have have returned from there. There some holidays and it's a good opportunity. I think that a Monday night at home to lecture would sort of be a perfect sort of first fixture to introduce your uh, your children to. I think there were a lot of fans there. I think I think the club probably did some sort of um, sort of ticketing campaign to encourage the, the younger fans. I think under sixteen they may even get in free at the moment. So I think it's thing initiatives like that, which is it must be difficult for for people without a tie to to Torino, growing up in a city where you've got a an alternative, um, we won't what's, mention them. Um, what's,
1: what's the alternative? The cinema. Yeah, and yeah, no, to watch volleyball. Okay, I going
0: to uh, say. Got, yeah, Torino got very good volleyball size. because um, the nearest
1: um, the nearest Serie A team
0: plays in Veneria, not in Torino. Yes, so. yes, and and yeah, we're, we're not talking about those because this is this is not a podcast for them. It's a Torino podcast. But let, let, sometimes let, you have your doubts.
1: Um, let, let, let's let's get on to the J match. Um, so I guess the starting lineup there are a few well one main surprise was at the start for Ilcan which I tried to do a bit of research for this part I didn't have a massive amount of time I was actually hoping some journalists would do the research for me but I would say the last time Torino started an 18 year old um, I can't I, I, I went back about the last 15 years I mean Milik and Bongiorno both played for Torino as 18 year olds but um, they're older than Ilcan at the time and at, because kind of just started, turned 18 as well. It's just turned 18. The policies that the, the I would look at myself was the around 95, 96 when Torino were relegated. And we, we were likes of Moreno Longo, actually, and a whole host of Primavera players who came in quite late in that season. I don't know how many of them were 18. But I can't... I'm sure there are one or two maybe kind of... But starting...
0: Yeah. In a in a league game as well, I think you might find yeah. something in, in the cup and uh Milico played a, a lot more in the Europa League. Um but yeah, no, I can I can think off the top of my head. I think it's probably a very un un Torino and un Italian sort of thing to actually um give Ilkan the start. I think I think Matteo parro mentioned in the press conference after the, the game that Lunetti had a bit of an injury or was carrying a little bit of a knock which may explain it as well, it might have just been a necessity just because they are the only other two centre midfielders, other than Adopo at the club um, Matthew,
1: Matthew Garbutt
0: my friend, well yeah, down. apologies Matthew, uh, I, I, and I do think I think we will see, I think you, you might have mentioned our previous part, I think we will see him um, at some stage of the season one,
1: one of two London-born players in the Torino squad, there you go yeah,
0: Along with uh, Alorana. There you go um, but, but what, you, yeah, what did you make of it what did you make of it I, I, I thought he was I think he was very solid is what I would say I think there were there were moments where he looked good and had good potential there were other moments where he I think maybe the game was passing him by a little bit um sort of early on he had a shot on target within sort of three minutes he then took another shot where it probably would have been better to to pass and there's a sort of low percentage chance of even getting it on target um but he had a couple of nice flicks, a couple of nice touches. And what I really liked about him was that he was always after the ball. Like for an 18-year-old to come into a, for his first sort of Serie A appearance and sort of demanding the ball. You don't really actually see that from a lot of more experienced players. Um, I think he, I, I wouldn't, at the moment, I'd personally say that with Richie absent, I think Lilletti probably a safer option. And that's something I probably could not dream of of saying um, six months, nine months ago, but I think as a, as a as a sort of sixty-two minutes, I think he played. He picked up a yellow card, which I don't think he got too, too many complaints for. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a good appearance, and like if he's this good at eighteen, then I think if he continues to play and shows a little bit of progression, matures, sort of understands the role a little bit more again, not proclaiming to be an expert on Turkish football, but I'd imagine it's f- f- very different. I don't even think he played too many or started too many games for Tass last season. So um it's definitely room for improvement and and promising. Yeah, the, the yellow card kind of as soon as that
1: came out, he was he was very quickly going to be substituted again, which I think was a good bit of um coaching from power. I actually thought the substitutions yesterday were better than I think Yurich's weak blind spot is a bit substitutions and I noticed yesterday, two, the two players with yellow cards were, were pulled off.
0: Is, it may have been a, a slight knock as well. Um, and I think that the five substitutes just just it allows for that to happen. Obviously, in the, in the area of three substitutes, you, you're very rarely just going to sub somebody just because they've been booked. But um, I think that was definitely the the intention between between Parnell, Cam, one, and and Scherz. Yeah, I think it did seem to have a knock, but it was probably that, a good decision.
1: Yeah, I, I thought he did well as well. I think the one of the better observations from the commentators yesterday might have been Stuart Robson, who said, you know, it's a slight Torreira-esque, maybe it's a kind of um, low center, low centre of gravity, but yeah, just very good on the ball, as you said, Wanting the ball, he did fade a bit. I don't think it was helped by Lukic. Lukic didn't play particularly right. well. I think Lukic but, just he got better when Linetti came on, which I don't think is anything to do with Ilkan, but maybe was Lukic felt like he had a little bit too much responsibility in that first half and was kind of playing, playing for trying to play, trying to coach Ilkan through the game and play his own game.
0: I think that was probably uh, Lukic's worst performance and for games that he's turned up to uh, under Juric. Um... Because, yeah, a player who improved so much last season, I think, especially first out of a couple of really simple passes. But like you say, I think that would have been a lot of responsibility for him and almost a little bit of redemption for him to try and sort of talk a a young lad through a game though he's he's no longer the captain um, due to sort of past incidents. And that probably maybe felt like, oh, this is my opportunity to show that I sort of, I am captaincy material. And I think that did sort of have an impact on his own game, which... Which is a bit unfortunate because I thought for the first thirty to minutes we we weren't on it really. No,
1: the first twenty minutes we were, as I said, we we're just dis- disjointed and w- w- well, let's give some context. Juric was um, was not on the touchline yesterday because of uh, he has pneumonia. Um, and, you know, no doubt no, that, that had a, had an impact on on preparations, and we wish him wish him a speedy recovery, and then. Yeah, I mean, Le- Lecce kind of came, uh, I mean, we we'll talk a bit about the commentary. I thought Torino were playing Real Madrid for the first 20 minutes. So it was just, it's almost decided that, Le- you know, Lecce were going to be the story and, you know, can they get this away win? And, oh, they've started magnificently. I mean, they... Yeah, I felt, they tap, I it,
0: yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry to interrupt. But good, but no, I felt like it was, I felt it was more like they were, they were hyping Lecce up to be more of like a lower league side and they, they couldn't, be, like, they couldn't believe that Torino hadn't just blown them apart when... Lecce, I thought, did start the game well, but their tactics were pretty simple. They were very much sort of away side, away, almost like a a lower league side. They tried to utilise the pace and get in behind Torino and they weren't playing anything. They weren't sort of Barcelona 2010 type passing moves. They were basically quite direct and sort of using their strengths. But yeah, I think the commentary was probably something we both picked up on, but I think it may have annoyed you slightly more.
1: Yeah, it was just, I was just—I mean, there was a whole—I mean, Juric, uh Urich not being there, confusion for about twenty minutes, and then, um, yeah, we're just—I mean, going—we're very lucky to be able to watch, you know, pretty much every Serie A match in the UK live. So, and and a lot of the coverage is f- through a kind of world feed, and a lot of these commentators are doing a lot of different matches. But yeah, I kind of increasingly noticed on Torino matches, there's, uh, you know, a not weird. We, we by definition, are Torino experts as well, which I kind of find there's a lot of truisms in the commentary and not always a lot of kind of detailed research. And there's these kind of these broad brushes of... I mean, Torino played well on, on 45 minutes in Bergamo and with the same commentator doing the match. So that, that wasn't really kind of re- referenced a few days later. But I just, I just felt this is kind of this narrative, at, you know, for a long time I mean, Lecce are doing okay here, but they're not. Uh, I didn't have a shot on goal from really from memory, and uh, I don't know. It's just,
0: yeah, it was. It, it... I think Paul Dempsey did actually ask the question at one point in the first half: is, is whether Torino were suffering from a lack of confidence um, after seven points in their first four games. I'd hate to see what um, Monza's performance <laughs> would have been like if uh, if they were playing with with zero points. I just felt they were very very keen to sort of over-exaggerate how poorly they're playing. I'm not going to suggest that they. Were, I thought they were playing well, but it's still nil-nil at home, bigger crowd, which actually probably something a lot of those players aren't used to. I just felt, that, and the crowd I don't think ever turned on them. They, they were always supportive. They were never sort of, never booing when an attack broke down um yeah just a very strange sort of narrative that they tried to fit into the game that Torino were this side who were struggling because of Bremer and Bellotti uh Departure and, and Lecce were the sort of plucky underdogs who were who were coming in and dominating where yeah I didn't didn't really see that they did I did think they did point out um my man uh Antonino Gallo um who I did think had a, had a pretty good first half at least at left back and I, th- I think the question needs to be asked, does he have the finest head of hair in Serie A? Because it is, it's sumptuous.
1: F- facial hair and, and, and barnet as well. It's, yes, it's it's a double whammy. It was... Uh, but I, 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 I'd agree that the kind of first half an hour was very disjointed and Torino started playing a bit higher at the pitch. It was really one moment of fantastic quality which opened them up. Um, Vlasic... It's pretty clinical. Um Very different. They're quite different. Vlasic and Radonjic. They're um, one is very cold as ice, clean cut, clinical, and the, the other one, yeah, is is far more chaotic and not really cold as ice in front of goal. I thought I think Vlasic did drift in and out the game, but he does work very hard. He, he works. He, he I think when Torino later in the season possibly have a, a kind of bit more quality around him. And as I said, the team are playing a bit more in a bit more of a fluid manner. We'll, we'll see, we'll see the best of him kind of in, uh, in patterns of the game as well. Uh, but he, he was good. Radonjic, I thought was the worst Torino player on the pitch yesterday. He just, uh, I mean, he got squeezed out of the game, but he's kind of, yeah, just, just, just couldn't really get going at all. Um, maybe like kind of had a final ten, fifteen minutes he found a he found a bit more space. Um, you were very keen on Voivod Voivoder's performance just there as well, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I think he for somebody who I think that was may have even been his first start of the season due to due to pick up an injury in pre season. Uh I thought he I thought his pass for the goal was was sensational and that sort of bit of quality that we'd we been missing up into that point. I think it's still a good could finish by Vlasic, but the, the through ball is is something that we've been missing, and to actually have that vision from the wide areas is, is very good. Um, he, he probably should, well, definitely should have scored himself in the in the sort of latter stages of the second half. Um, I think he he sort of emphasised that, that that miss is going to give him a few a few nightmares. But again, we, we'd already won the game at that point. I think it, I think it's had we we dropped points, that would have been a, a bigger issue. Um, yeah, totally agree on Bradonich. Um I just felt he was trying to almost mm-hmm. score a goal in just one way, sort of he was just trying to cut like sort of peel back from the left hand side and curl curl a right foot shot into the corner and he just continued to do that even when the space or the opportunity wasn't there. Um I think it would be interesting when Moranchuk returns who the sort of first choice uh, players behind the the main striker were gonna be. Um I do have a a little statistic that I accidentally came across. No, for right it, I like them. So it's maybe not a statistic, more of a fact. Um, so the the Russian Footballer of the Year in 2020, So the first two players on who, who were sort of nominated and, and got the votes for that award are Torino players. So number one was Nikola Vlasic and number two was Alexei Moranchuk. Um, I did try and find mm-hmm. out who number three was just in case that was that was maybe that was what Vignetti was going off and that was so, maybe, that's what his sort of his transfer plans were just sort of just he was just going to the top 10 yeah. Um, but yeah no I think I think Maren again only sort of played one game so far mm-hmm. and before picking up an injury but he probably technically better than the, definitely better than Vlasic I'd imagine technically but also um a little less chaotic, a bit calmer than, than Mredonics. So I think having, I think Marencik would probably be the starter with one other. Um, but the way Blasic just started, and I think he probably has potential to play. Given his finishing, he could play as the as the main striker. Should you, um, should there be a necessity?
1: Who do you think will end up Torino's top scorer this season? I think it'll be Blasic. Blasic. Yeah, there's a few. I guess um, a few other players. Quickly talk about. Uh, Palegri did well. Um, obviously, almost the space, goal of, space almost for... goal of
0: the season. The uh, when he chested it down, flicked it over the defender, and then just couldn't get a shot away. It
1: was uh, yeah, which. Is... But no, he I think he worked really hard. He um created a lot of space, and then whereas he I was unlucky not to get his goal in the second half. I actually thought Sadabri. I thought was awful in Berg in Bergamo. It was just kind of the very soft, um, insipid performance. But I thought when Sadabri came on, actually, um was quite impactful, obviously there was a bit more space in the game as well. So that that was a bit more encouraging and I guess the other oh well, we've got the new uh, camel glick at the back as well. <laughs> and uh and,
0: and to, and to, to uh, based on your point about leaders I actually think Schurz has probably got the potential to be a leader at, at some stage, obviously maybe not in this first couple of games, but a couple of times you could sort of see that he had a bit of personality about him. You, you probably expect a central defender coming from IX to be sort of technically very good and I think he did show that as well but I mean there was that challenge in the in the first half where um sort of the, the striker's running away and he sort of catches up with them and then puts a, a a pretty meaty challenge in which I think the fans enjoyed and probably yeah like you say very cameo glick ass. I do have one complaint
1: about the said Electro player when he went off did you see how much littery left on the pitch? Hitch. Disgraceful. I don't think he was very happy. I don't think he was, he was really happy with the substitution, went, so he decided right. to take off all of his <laughs> tape from his socks. All of his, all of his tape. It was a right. Come on, clean uh, up after yourself. Um, I guess it, the, the one other player, just because I don't think we've mentioned him at all this season, was Lazzaro Who, um, yeah, the, jury, the jury's very out on him. I think as a okay. signing and and performances so far, uh, but I think there were some. Good things in there, and, and I think especially uh, delivery of final ball potentially better than better
0: than Singer. I think um, maybe going going back to the commentators slightly. I don't know what whether he's sort of stolen one of their cars or, or belongings, but but Stuart Robson and Paul Dempsey really did not like Valentino Lazaro. It uh, kept harping back to uh, his days uh, in the Bundesliga with Hertha Berlin. I mean, he couldn't have done too badly because he's seen as. He, Earned him a twenty million pound move to Inter, so seems a bit of a strange. Um, because I know Dempsey does a lot of the commentary on the Bundesliga. So he just seemed to have it in for him the whole game, even even when he sort of makes the the left back and and de- delivered not the worst cross in the world. They still seemed found a way to sort of criticize him for that, and that was probably his, his last action in the game before before Ina came on. And again, his uh, quick thinking for the for the throw in um, probably should have led to to Vovida scoring. But I think it, it's it's having options. It's having that if, if a player isn't having a good game, you've got a good player who's going to sort of come onto the pitch and make an impact. It's probably something we didn't have too much last season, whereas now we have got a little bit of depth, maybe not in centre-field and maybe not up front. But I think with all the with the four choices of wing-backs, Lazzaro, Singo, Aina uh, and Voivoda, I, I wouldn't really have any issue with any two of those starting in any game. So that's something promising where, you Would expect a lot of them. I think they'll probably all feature in all of the games this season because you can with the five substitutes, which I do mention quite a lot. You can just alternate things if you think somebody's looking tired after 60 minutes, just freshen things up. And because that's such a big way of how we play, that's going to be key, indeed. I mean, so into, into
1: coming up next, which we're going to talk about uh at the end of today or oh, this week's pod. Um, I guess we uh We're going to go hero and villain. So, the hero, there's a bit of an interconnection. Uh, Break tradition. We're going to start with the villain. You ready to play us in a
0: bit of audio? Yeah, let's go. See if you can guess it from this clip.
1: Palla nel mucchio. (laughs) Salaschetta mette fuori. Poi der giù. Incredibile.
0: Incredibile. No, non ci credo. Ha avuto tutto il tempo per poter incredibile. Poteva fare quello che voleva. Giocherella, fattori e poi fallisce il più clamoroso gol della storia dei derby della Mole. Non era proprio vicinissimo Buffon, quindi potevi uh, con, interno, son... con l'interno con piede alzarla.
1: Potevi fare tutto quello che volevi.
0: Non ci posso. Credere.
1: So that bit of audio. Um is from a video clip actually watched for the first time yesterday in in preparation for the Villain of the Week. I had thought about someone else who played in this match and it kind of led me somewhere else. So that was a a clip from the Turin derby of 2002-03 when Torino were facing one of their many relegations around the late 90s and Early noughties, but it's very significant match for me in that it was my first week living in Italy. So the first match I went to, and I have very vivid memories of it, and very vivid memories of the of the bit on the audio clip. Um, so yeah, it was it was Turin derby. Uh, we were the away team technically, um, which didn't really mean mean very much in the Stadio degli Alpi days. Um, I went to the stadium, and my first kind of <laughs> interaction uh, with the court of a Maratona was. Um, when they started singing Quino on Salta, um, the carabinieri joined in. So that, 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 was, that was very funny. And then, yeah, for, for first kind of um, time going to a match and, you know, eating um, uh, prosciutto, cotto sandwiches and uh, drinking coffees with various shots of alcohol in them. Um, but it was an absolutely awful derby in that uh, it was just full of incident. Torino went one down after six minutes with an own goal. And then um as we get to that audio clip, it's the eighty-eighth minute. Uh Lucarelli of Torino and Tudor of Juventus were sent off for fighting before half time. Uh Torino then had two other players sent off by this point. So we were playing with eight men against ten. We were one nil down. We were really, really bad that season. Um and then we, it's kind of um, a few ricochets just outside the box, and the box, and the ball arrives at the feet of the Torino centre half Stefano Fattori, um, who has uh, uh, like time stopped still for like ten for ten seconds. Look it back now. I mean, I I've not watched this miss back because I have such vivid memories in the stadium. It's like the stadium, it, what felt like. A very long time. Torrey has a ball of his feet. Everyone else froze. So even if you watch the video clip now, Edgar Davids does not does not even bother closing him down because he's one on one with Buffon. Buffon is kind of dancing. He's falling over almost. He's got he can go to the left of Buffon and Buffon falls over. He can chip him. He he has a goal at his mercy, and he just it's almost like he has a panic attack.
0: And I, I don't I don't think this is the particularly technical football term, but I think he shits himself. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. He it, just doesn't it, know what to do. He um, it, it
1: does not know what to do with it. And what he ends up doing is pulling it wide, falls flat on his back. Um, I, And I just remember that so moment so well. And then Simone Vergasola, the Torino captain, comes in, uh, comes over, picks him up. Uh, Within a minute, Juventus go up the other end and, and score to make it 2-0. But it would have been one of those derbies where had we hung on for a draw, it would have felt like a victory. It wouldn't have meant much in the context of the season uh, fatori himself i mean there's not a lot to say in that he was a one of those center halves who was part of like two promotion seasons and uh, around the turn of the century played around 150 games for torino he was a steady player it's this isn't really not about putting fatori in um necessarily in our villains category but that has to be one of the biggest I mean, we talked about Padelli last week, but Padelli's mistake came in a probably relatively forgettable, inconsequential game at home to Empoli. This, you know, this is the derby, and if he put he puts that away, he 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 carves a you know he carves at least a footnote in the in 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 the annals of 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 Torino, and
0: instead it's just I, think I don't think we can see the worst miss. It is important to note that. He, You can tell visually, from, and this is the first time that I've seen this, um, this clip because it was a little bit before my time, um, and you can see visually just how gutted and almost like heartbroken he is. He, he realises, I think literally every thought process a man can have about scoring a, a goal goes through his head in these 10 seconds where he's sort of thinking about where to put it, and he, he thought, thinks put it to his right, thinks about putting it to his left, and then he realises that he's blown the chance, he's almost inconsolable, he just collapses to the floor and does need to sort of be picked up. And I think, yeah, probably you would imagine he would have been the worst of, of the eight players left on the, on the pitch. He'd probably be the, the last player you would have wanted the ball to fall to because you can sort of tell that he isn't comfortable uh, in that position. But I think, yeah, I, I can't think of many worse misses. Um, maybe if anybody can think of some uh, sort of volunteers, some suggestions. I mean, there's worse misses
1: in terms of context as well, so Churchy's penalty miss obviously but you, um, but then ultimately
0: was it didn't matter that's the problem with the Churchy's miss. i it
1: did it, it did matter in the uh, the night and the morning of of, of, of when it happened <laughs> yeah, somebody who was there yeah.
0: I, could, I could attest to that, but yeah as in terms of had he scored, the outcome still would have been the same um thanks again, palmer um but yeah there's been a, there were a few
1: when Simone Verdi left there were a few kind of reels of, of there was a, a few pretty bad misses, but nothing quite like that. I can't, you know, just just playing in playing in a derby and the look in the Juventus players. I mean, Juventus players were already scheming how they were going to get a ninety-fourth pen, a, a minute penalty at the other end. They'd moved on. He'd scored. It was one-one. As I said, I mean, David's lack <laughs> lack of reaction for Davids is absolutely absolutely hilarious. And yeah, imagine throwing a lead away to to an absolutely pitiful, terrible t- Torino team with eight with with eight men. Um but I just remember I just as I said I've taken me 20 years to go back and, and actually seek out that clip and the, the commentary is magnificent on it. it is it is um because I still remember Fattori like I, I just remember that whole time standing still and then I remember him it seemed like he may have lay on the floor for the rest of the game to be honest. I'm not sure he ever got back up he might yeah he may well still be there so I don't think he played for Torino very much after that but absolutely absolutely incredible moment in a Trin derby and I think yeah Trin derbies have have produced some some pretty epic moments but your hero of the week is a genuine derby hero isn't
0: he exactly and it may be a little bit risky to um to sort of induct a, a player into the toro hero category who may be playing against us in the next game so fingers crossed i don't jinx this and maybe i'll jinx it in a good way and he has a shocker um but it is matteo damian um a little bit about sort of him when he signed for the club uh was was in the serie b days in the ventura he'd come through the uh milan academy and i think when he was sort of in the Primavera, was actually a centre back uh, who then sort of moved out to, to right back. Um, we actually signed him from Palermo, and I think when he signed, he was sort of seen as a, a an old fashioned full back who defends, defends first and um, sort of attacks attacks second. And obviously in the in the four, four, two, 4 days of Ventura, that was what we needed really. We we had attacking wingers. We we needed. Defenders who could actually defend, um, and I think he was a a good player. He sort of was a sort of crucial player in the in the promotion season. But it was actually when our um, formation changed it and we moved to three at the back and and had wing backs where he actually sort of flourished in a way for for a player who was was primarily a, a defend defensive fullback. He sort of relished getting forward. His his crossing. Um, improved his sort of attempts on goal improved, and he probably in 2015 probably scored two of the the most memorable goals in, in Torino history. Firstly, the the winner against Athletic Bilbao, uh, and then he scored the opener in the in the in the long-awaited derby victory against against Juventus. So I think he he was a player. Actually, I, I seem to think actually the the definitely the Juventus game. He was playing at at left wing back because of Bruno Perez's emergence at, at right wing back, that so he actually had to move position and and still sort of managed to, to pop up with a goal. One of the bizarrest goals I can remember a Torino um, game anyway, just the the way it sort of pops back to him and, and he finishes. Um, I think Perlo I think Perlo may be involved in some some way, and the ball just sort of pops back to him and he finishes it. Um, and celebrates and celebrates yeah Unlike like fabio, unlike fabio the, the, Quagliarella, um, idiot I feel, I feel like this may be uh a, a topic of a future part uh mr Quagliarella. but yeah he does celebrate and he um i think he was just a a solid a solid player a solid you always got it it did have an inability to grow a proper beard um that is something which may be held against him because he. he uh, I feel like I'm obsessed with facial hair today, but he. Uh, yeah, he he did sort of struggle to to grow one in in, in his duration of Torino career. And he had little sideburns, um, but he. It was one of those players who, when they moved on, you sort of heard them no no ill will, no malice, and he actually moved to Man United after a good World Cup, um, or, or one of the sort of rare. Sort of performers for for Italy in a in a poor World Cup in two thousand and sixteen, and actually started his Man United career quite well. I think he was voted there, sort of in house player of the month. Um, watching again, wouldn't wouldn't watch all of the United games as I would Torino, but seemed to think he he did a an okay job in a in a side who were in a, in a transition and were probably expecting to be in a different place than they actually were but never watched a, a United game where he was playing thinking he was he was the reason for their downfall and they've sort of probably gone on to suffer worse results in the in mm. the years following that. Um then moved to Parma um I think he may have been involved in their relegation season actually but um got quickly got a move to Inter and that is where he's still sort of playing now even. I think he's thirty two and still getting Regular game time, despite there being probably more established and maybe more um, sort of younger prospects are available, is still getting quite a lot of games in a in a sort of as a wing back. So, just testament really to, to his way to adapt and evolve, and um, one of probably from my era anyway, one of my sort of favourite Torino players. I think even before scoring the the goal and. I think it was the equalizer actually in the derby, uh, and then we went on to win. I think that's just sort of cemented him as a as a Torino hero.
1: If they stay up in Serie, A, it'd be great for Monza because um, Berlusconi's aim is once sun his clean cut Italian players with no tattoos and beards, and he obviously can't grow a beard. Uh, <laughs> they ended up with Armando Izzo, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, and Damian. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting, he spent. He played 150 over 150 times Torino, which is way clear of appearances anywhere else. So the likelihood is Torino will be the club he's maybe spends the most time with, and probably the club he'd be most identified with because of those those big moments. I remember him coming on in the cup final when United beat Palace and playing quite well. I actually think I said when he went to Man United, he reminded me of Gary Neville a lot a bit, a little bit, despite facial hair thing as well. But he was. He could play centre back. He was uh, right back. He could get up and down. His crossing, um, uh, he he was a bit more of a goal threat in a way than than kind of never would have been. But um, but just very kind of dependable, adaptable player. I didn't think he probably had quite had the the you know the real quality, um, especially in in kind of modern football and needing. Um, in the role of the wing-back to kind of really succeed at United, but I think as a very steady squad player, he did a good job. I certainly, you mentioned those two goals. Yeah, I mean, two of the biggest moments in the last 20 years where he was involved with He also set, I believe he set up the goal for Qualiorella in that game as well. He Yeah, yeah um, after, after a great three-ball by uh, Omar Al-Qadiri. Yeah, there you go. And uh, <laughs> you're not talking about Balotti anymore, so you're back, you're back on to... <laughs> Back onto El Cidori, aren't you? I
0: did um, notice he got sent off in the um, Thessalonica derby at the weekend as well. So, I'm not I'm not seen the incident yeah. yet, but I'm sure I'm sure it was a, a ridiculous decision.
1: <laughs> but Damien's goals were lucky charms. He scored six, and we won won every single match. He scored a wow. goal, got a, a goal in, and I think yeah, I, there's also one in Serie B. I think uh, in the Ventura season against Empoli, which may have been a bit of a sticky patch of the season. A winner at home, a winner against Parma. And he's yeah, the three in that um three in Europe he scored as well for for Torino. For scored in that kind of big win in Copenhagen. Didn't everybody yeah. score in that game? Yeah, even your friend Joseph Martinez managed to you score did. in that game. I think so. he might have got two. Um, um, did even a Maori score in that game, possibly. I I, I remember Gaston Silva did. Gaston Silva. <laughs> there was there was a very strange player. I went forward for another day. I could never work out what Gaston Silver was. I think there was I always thought there'd be a like a a player that we'd end up selling to Atletico Madrid or something, but... Well, yeah, that turned out to be uh, Umar Sadiq. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, Gaston Silva was possibly another one who couldn't grow facial hair, but um, but no, Damian was just a very good player, very good kind of Ventura soldier, but also, yeah, as you said, some of the players who've left, you know, Immobile, Churchi, um didn't really end well, but yeah, you know, darman we say made a profit on. We sold to a bigger club. It's, he's never said anything about Torino since he's never joined Juventus as well, which helps. And a bit strange when he came back to Italy that he had that move to Palma I think possibly I'm surprised Torino didn't try and pick him up at at, at that stage. But obviously, um, he's got kind of gone back to a, to a higher level at, at, at Inter as well. Um, but no, just like you said, one of the. I think in any t- Torino team of the last 20 years, he would be in it. And I, I'd forgotten about that versatility as well. It's a bit of a classic Torino thing of of We've ended up having to play very good right backs at, at, at left back at times to accommodate someone at right back who wasn't quite as good. It's kind of a, that's not the first time it's happened as well. So, I mean, even, even now with, with uh, Voivoda as well. Um, so, no, just just a very, very good professional. And said, yeah, to, it's Scoring in a Torino derby win doesn't happen to many players anymore. Um, as I said the night in Barr as well to get the winner there was yeah just, uh, just a, a very good call, Rob, Robert. And as long as he's quiet this weekend, then...
0: Yeah, let's uh, hope he... It's probably best that he just doesn't play or that if he does play, maybe he um, can sort of score an yeah. own goal or concede a penalty to give us the victory. Uh, but I think he might be playing I noticed last weekend
1: he set up the goal for Dzeko got into back into the derby he, he crossed that from the left-hand side so I think he's ended up playing a lot of his football on the left-hand side and well, there's another former Torino fullback, back um, Danilo D'Ambrosio who um, actually at one stage looked yeah it's a kind of different type of player to Damien but it's quite yeah it's quite interesting that into do those two two old Torino fullbacks still there and D'Ambroso's been there a long time
0: yeah D'Ambrose has sort of reinvented himself as to a, as sort of a centre-back in a back three as well I don't think he's got the legs anymore to sort of get up and down the pitch as a um, wing-back but again he sort of moving off topic slightly he's probably a player who has even when he got the move to Inter people thought it was a bit of a strange move he'd, he'd done well at Torino but sort of wasn't amazing but he's actually managed to sort of Become a bit of a bit of a cult hero at, at Inter, and is still there, still sort of picking up regular game time. So it it does show that sometimes players can adapt and and be flexible. And Torino have probably been benefited of that themselves as well with with other players who've come to the club from from other teams. So looking at
1: Inter this weekend, that we're already informed by BT yesterday we're going to lose this match anyway. So, desperately needed to beat Lecce to not get relegated because we've got no chance against Inter and and then against Sassuolo. But, um, but jesting aside, obviously, uh, we expect it will be the toughest challenge of the season so far. Um, we I thought we had quite a good record there because we had those back, back to back wins. Um, I think one was definitely the Moretti goal under Ventura. I can't remember if the second one was the two-one win also under Ventura. Or whether that was under Matsari, but uh, uh, there was yeah, a period. Yeah. Where, yeah, there was a period where we we did quite well. We actually haven't won it at the San Siro against Inter in seven. So, um, yeah, things have... the the kind of pendulum has swung back to kind of how it had been for 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 a long time, but. I guess my concern at this weekend's game is just yeah, Torino aren't quite um aren't quite a co- really cohesive team yet. Uh we're also I don't know the situation with Singo, but Singo, Moranchuk, Richie, three of our better players will be out. And I think in, where Inter are very strong is in central midfield. Um I wonder if they just have a little bit too much experience. Uh, too many bodies in there, maybe a little bit too much quality. And I just, I haven't seen evidence of Torino breaking that cycle of, we saw it in Bergamo, of going to, um, going to kind of better, certainly in the case, into going to a better team and, and get just having that cutting edge when, when, when we need it. Um, so I don't see... Might be a little bit of a three hit, but I don't see I don't see us winning on on on, on Saturday, and obviously draw 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 would probably be the, be a very good result. But I mean, are you feeling more positive than that?
0: I think the only thing that I'm sort of hoping for, in which I always file feel that when you sort of think in these in these ways, it never actually comes true and never comes to fruition. But into we've got a game on Wednesday against Bayern in the Champions League at home. Oh, that- that never works for three. Yeah, mate. yeah I, they, could, I always, they could
1: play. They could play by in the
0: night before and the night after. It, yeah. and you always think you always think that this happens, or that this is going to make an effect, but it never seems seems to. But I, like it is, I think again, and it's something I mention a lot. about obviously, the World Cup being in November means that the actual Champions League group stages have to be condensed into um, to be in all the games are played before November um, or before the World Cup starts at least, and. So Rinto have got Bayern on Wednesday, then they've got us on Saturday, and then they've got another game on the Tuesday. So, and Inter are in a very tif- difficult group. They've got Bayern and Barcelona and Victoria Pilsen Maybe maybe the uh, the easier game, but um, I just think that that could potentially have a factor. Obviously, if they get a good result against Bayern, maybe they um maybe their sort of focus might be slightly down and might be a bit complacent before they. Before they after home game against Torino, and similarly, if they get a bad record against Bayern, they they definitely know that they need to go to the Czech Republic and win. So it's one of those things which I think you would always want to be the side who've got a clear a clear week before a game. Torino got a little bit less time to prepare than they would if they'd played on a Saturday or a Sunday. But um, I I just think at some point the law of averages suggests that teams who play in Europe again I have to sort of drop points because of just the, the added workload that they've got. So I might and and like you say last season we played really well against the bigger sides, especially away from home and, and didn't get our rewards. I'm not saying we're gonna go to the Sansura and win, but I'll I'll be a bit more optimistic and go for go for a point at least, maybe a one one.
1: Yeah, I mean Lukaku I believe that out um, I'll probably uh, he has in the past done very well against us. I think you're right. I think it's a good point. I think th- at the very least, there's going to be rotation there from from Inzaghi. I don't. I, I, there's definitely flaws in that team uh, under him, and I th- think probably the back end of last season the beginning of the season's not gone, not gone brilliantly. As I said, they, they, you know, they have a limited window to focus on the Torino match, so there is an opportunity there, um, and potentially with some some of their better players being out. Um, I guess my concern is just can we. Are we ruthless enough to take advantage of it? Um, if we go a goal up, it could be interesting. I just, I can't. I just have a feeling it might be a narrow one-nil defeat. I think last year we played really well at the San Siro. They got a slightly fortuitous goal through Dumfries, and then we, we were brilliant between the boxes last season, but just, just didn't have that cutting edge. Um, and then in the home match, we absolutely, we absolutely dominated them, only to concede a kind of sickening last minute equalizer as well so i think we are due are due a result against them um and th- yeah just has this match come a little bit earlier in the season for us, we'll see um but I hope broadly speaking linetti will probably come back in for, for Can be interesting to see i suspect sanabria might come back in but this is the sort of game he never does very well at away at, away at a big club i'd probably be happy with Pellegri's physical presence um, and then there'll possibly be some, some rotation at, w- at wing-back as well. But yeah, no, I I can see where your positivity is coming from. I think I'm going to stick to... A st- You're going for a 1-1, are you? I'll go, I'll, go for a, I'll go for a 1-0 defeat, hoping that hoping you were right. And um, yeah, it's funny what you said about Champions League, because I did have a look at the Turin derby, and I thought, I wonder who they have got, uh, if they've got a Champions League game around that. But I think they've got Maccabi Haifa uh, a few days before. I can't remember if it's home or away, but... Yeah, it's not I
0: was hoping it'd be Paris Saint Germain or or at least Benfica, but I, um I, but... I sometimes I sometimes I feel sorry to get a but I sometimes I think it's actually the the game after there's the one that is the one you probably prefer aside to have a Champions League game after you play, whereas actually you think that the tiredness of playing a game in the midweek and then so it probably be, would have been preferable for sort of Torino to have played into the week that that Milan did in the derby. And yeah, I've just, I've checked with, um, with Juve and yeah, they've got Haifa away, which might be a, it's a long, it's a long trip. Um, And yeah. And then afterwards, they've they've just got another league game. So there's no, no game to focus on, but yeah, I think it might even be so much more the travel rather than the opponent.
1: All right. Well, there's a chance we might not be back with a pod next week. And that's completely my fault. Well actually Rob your are uh, moonlighting on the Roma pod next week, aren't you? Is that the real reason? But no, uh, I'm I have some I uh, some work challenges next week, so there may may or may not be a, a, a pod next week, but there'll certainly be one uh, the week after uh post Saswala. But if we if we can get one in next week, if if we win in the San Siro then we might just have to find a reason to do a pod. So um
0: there there we go. Hopefully that means that Torino me, fans are hoping that we win and not not sort of like hoping that we lose so that they don't have to hear us again
1: yeah well as i said if they get this far every week they uh, they've done well so but yeah on that note it's uh it's, i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed reliving that uh horrendous stefano fattori miss and uh um yeah and uh talking M- about like-
0: mateo Damian. Like you say, this is this podcast is a little bit of therapy for us just to just to sort of finally be able to talk about Torino moments of the past that we've, we've sort of bottled up inside and have not had a chance to share with anybody yet. There we go. All onwards and upwards. Forza to Toro. Forza to Toro.